Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. On this episode, we head over to Edinburgh, Scotland. Over the last 30 years, the city has uncovered some remarkable and shocking discoveries. 120 lost vaults under the South Street Bridge were found, and within it were some dark spirits. We also dive into one of the most well-documented cases of poltergeist activity in the world, attacking over 350 people since the 1990s. This is episode number six of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Poltergeist of Greyfriars Kirkyard. stumbles into a graveyard, looking for shelter from the rain. He spots a tall black mausoleum and runs up to the door. He puts a shoulder into it one, two, three times, and then with a loud crack, the doors break. He walks inside the mausoleum, looking for a dry place to wait out the storm. He feels around the dank tomb and comes across what feels like an old coffin. He opens it up and climbs inside. The weight of the man hopping into the casket causes the old wooden floor beneath him to collapse, sending him crashing into a pit below. As the dust clears, he notices that he is lying in a pit of human bones, old flesh, and skulls. The man lets out a scream and climbs out of the pit. He runs out of the graveyard and is spotted by a dog walker who joins in the screaming as he sees a hysterical zombie-looking man covered in filth running straight for him. Back in the mausoleum, the 400-year-old remains of a man named George Mackenzie had toppled out of his own coffin and now lay strewn about in a mass grave where his own victims were buried. On that cold, rainy night in 1998, what awoke from that desecrated gravesite would become one of the most well-documented cases of relentless and violent poltergeist activity in history. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Edinburgh, Scotland. The Lost Edinburgh Vaults. In 1985, a man by the name of Nori Rowan was going through a home renovation project. He knocked down the wall of one of his rooms and discovered a tunnel. He called his son, and together, over the next few years, they would remove hundreds of tons of rubble by hand, and what they discovered was shocking. The tunnel led to a series of abandoned vaults under the South Street Bridge in Edinburgh. In these vaults, they uncovered dinner plates, medicine bottles, household items, and thousands of oyster shells. Mr. Rowan and his son were the first people in over 100 years to enter the lost vaults of Edinburgh. In the late 1700s, the city of Edinburgh had a growing overpopulation problem. Due to the layout of the city, it was impossible to expand outward, so they built upward. With thousands of people migrating to the city, Homelessness and poverty skyrocketed. Fed up with the overcrowding and declining condition of the city, those who could afford it picked up and moved out. A new town was formed, but the wealthy still needed access to their businesses and pubs. Back in Old Town, construction began on the South Street Bridge in 1785 and was completed only three years later. In 1788, the wife of a wealthy judge was selected to christen the bridge by being the first person to cross it upon its completion. Days before she was set to cross the bridge, she died. But this didn't stop them. 
from fulfilling their promise to have her be the first one over the bridge. On the day of its opening, they pushed her dead body in her casket across the South Street Bridge. Many believed that this was a bad omen and the bridge was cursed from day one. With limited space to build within the city, they utilized the space underneath the bridge and constructed 120 vaults within the 19 arches. These vaults were used as a place for businesses to set up shop, but this wouldn't last long. Due to the construction of the bridge being rushed, they forgot to waterproof it. It became impossible to run respectable businesses out of these vaults as they began to flood every time it would rain. By 1785, every legitimate business vacated the vaults. With many people looking for shelter, they were quickly snatched up by the homeless, criminals, prostitutes, bootleggers, and body snatchers. One tunnel ran directly from the vaults to a nearby medical school. This vault was used by body snatchers, including infamous serial killers Burke and Hare. They would store the corpses inside the vault, then transport them at night through the tunnel to the medical school, where they were sold to students and professors who had a hard time coming by corpses to do their research on. Living conditions in these vaults were poor. Robberies, assaults, rapes, and murders were a daily occurrence. The vaults were closed off somewhere between 1835 and 1875 and were virtually forgotten about until they were discovered by the Rowans in 1985. Since then, the vaults have become known through Edinburgh as extremely haunted. In 2009, the BBC filmed an overnight special inside the vaults. They captured disembodied voices for 20 minutes straight until it abruptly ended with the sound of a child screaming. The producers initially believed that the sound of the children must have traveled throughout the tunnels from a nearby club, but this was ruled to be incorrect as the tunnels were virtually soundproof. You cannot hear the busy street above. No cars, no footsteps, or screams can be heard unless those sounds come from inside the vault. Visitors have reported multiple spirits inside the vaults, some friendly and some malevolent. Abandoned Annie There have been reports of a child ghost spotted in the vaults. Many report it to be a boy, and some say it's a girl named Annie. Psychics claim that she is a friendly ghost, likely from the 1810s, and goes by the name Abandoned Annie. Visitors have claimed that she will come up to you and hold your hand or toss a rock to get your attention. Full-bodied apparitions of the girl have been spotted resting on her elbows, watching visitors as they enter the vault. There is now an altar that has been built for Annie, where people leave dolls, toys, and money. The city collects the money each year and donates it to help sick children. The Cobbler and the Woman in Black In the Cobbler's Vault, there are two very different spirits. In one corner of the room, visitors have spotted the ghost of a cobbler, smiling back at them happy to see him. On the other side, a much darker spirit seems to lurk. People have reported seeing the ghost of a woman in black in the opposite corner of the room. She will sometimes pop up behind guests and even give them a shove. She seems to target pregnant women, making them feel sick, sometimes grabbing them or scratching them. Mr. Boots One of the more evil spirits was believed to be a slum landlord who lived inside of the vaults. His ghost can be heard shouting, Get out! Get out! He's tall, wears a long black coat and big black boots, which is likely where he got his nickname, Mr. Boots. He's described as having a leering grin and no eyes. One woman claimed to have been shoved by Mr. Boots in the vault, and witnesses claim that after the attack, her face was temporarily distorted and almost unrecognizable. The story goes that Mr. Boots murdered a young prostitute in his vault. Unknowingly, visitors to the vault today tend to stand on the right side of the room, subconsciously avoiding the spot on the floor where she died on the left. Investigators claim that Mr. Boots does not like lights on inside of his vault. He becomes very angry and aggressive if you turn on a flashlight or shine it around his room, especially 
if you shine the light on the left side of the floor, the spot where the woman was killed. The Poltergeist of Greyfriars Kirkyard George Mackenzie was elected to the Faculty of Advocates in 1659. He acted as Justice Depute from 1661 to 1663 and was involved in extensive witch trials resulting in multiple executions. Sir Mackenzie was knighted and was a member of Scots Parliament for the County of Ross until 1694. He was appointed Lord Advocate to King Charles in 1677. In an attempt to unify the country, King Charles II declared that the country would have one and only one religion. Predictably, this didn't sit well with the citizens of Scotland who wanted to practice their own religion, or lack thereof, freely. People who opposed the idea were made to sign the National Covenant to keep the country a Presbyterian place. What they didn't know was that this list would eventually be used against them to strip them of their rights, outlaw them, and eventually imprison them as traitors. A militia was formed and named the Covenanters. The Covenanters were made up of about 6,000 men. While slightly unorganized, under-equipped, and divided by their own religious disagreements, they predictably lost the Battle of Bothwell Bridge against the Royalist troops, where an estimated 700 Covenanters were killed and another 1,200 taken prisoner. The prisoners were rounded up under Sir George Mackenzie's orders and taken to a plot of land in Edinburgh at the southern end of the Greyfriars Kirkyard, the Scottish word for graveyard. This area is known as the Covenanters' prison. They were held there for five months outside through the Scottish winter. These five months became known as the Killing Time. The 1,200 prisoners were kept outside without shelter and little to no food. The walls were guarded by snipers, and any escape attempt would lead to immediate execution. The heads were mounted on spikes along the walls as a warning sign to other would-be escapees. Prisoners were hanged, beaten, murdered, and for many of them, George Mackenzie's face would be the last thing they would see. Of the 1,200 who were originally imprisoned, only about 50 survived the five months, and they were subsequently massacred immediately after passing through the gates. George Mackenzie fled Scotland for England when William of Orange took the throne and gave religious control back to the Presbyterians. At this point, Mackenzie became known as Bloody George Mackenzie because of the role that he played in the prisoners' deaths. While his family maintains that he was just following orders from King Charles II and that he himself would be tried for treason if he disobeyed, many in Scotland saw him to be a cruel, cold-blooded monster who relished in the fact that the prisoners were brutalized, starved, and murdered under his command. Bloody George Mackenzie died at Westminster on May 8th of 1691 and ironically was brought back to Scotland and buried just feet away from his victims in the Greyfriars Kirkyard in Edinburgh. His black mausoleum was constructed above a mass grave of dead bodies dumped there years before his death. The pit was only discovered when in 1998 a homeless man seeking shelter would come crashing through the old wooden floor after attempting to climb into George Mackenzie's coffin. The man fled, and Mackenzie's remains were recovered and placed back into his coffin. But this isn't the first account of strange happenings inside of George Mackenzie's black mausoleum. John Hayes, a criminal on the run, hid from law enforcement inside the mausoleum for six months. He was deemed insane when authorities finally caught up with him in the 1800s. But one of his claims was that George Mackenzie was awake inside of his casket and he would hear something constantly scratching and clawing trying to get out of the coffin. He insisted that the caskets inside the black mausoleum moved on their own every night. Records show that in the 19th century, local children would run up to the mausoleum and yell this phrase. Bloody Mackenzie, come out if ye dare. Lift the snack and draw the bar. In 2003, the Black Mausoleum would once again be disturbed. But this time, something much more dark would take place. According to an article from The Guardian, two teenagers forced their way into the burial chamber of one of Scotland's most brutal historical figures and cut the head from a corpse. They were sentenced to probation at Corden, Edinburgh yesterday. 
Sonny Devlin, 17, of Edinburgh, and a 15-year-old boy who cannot be named for legal reasons, took the skull from the mausoleum of Sir George Bloody Mackenzie and played with it on the grounds of the Greyfriars Cemetery. The court had heard how the youths caused around £10,000 worth of damage during the accident. The doors of the Mackenzie mausoleum were forced open and the mummified head of a male corpse was cut off with a penknife. Devlin then put his fist into the neck and talked to the head as if it were a glove puppet. He was later caught after returning to the graveyard to show off to a girl who did not believe his claim that he had broken into a tomb. Since then, the city has closed the interior gates to the public where the Black Mausoleum is located. Many believed that these events had awoken something sinister inside of Greyfriars Kirkyard. There is currently only one way to gain access to the area legally. The City of the Dead Haunted Graveyard Tours has been granted access by the city to provide guided ghost tours in the Black Mausoleum and the Covenantor's Tomb. Since 1999, over 350 documented poltergeist attacks have taken place during these tours. At least 140 people have collapsed or been knocked out. Dead animals turn up near the mausoleum constantly, with no clear cause of their death. People have reported seeing white figures, orbs, and other apparitions. They also hear knocks coming from beneath the ground. Suspicious fires frequently break out in the houses surrounding the graveyard. Even Jan Andrew Henderson, founder of the City of the Dead Tours, had his house catch fire, which destroyed many of his documents and records of paranormal experiences that happened during his tours. Visitors have experienced vicious scratches, bruises, and even broken fingers from this malevolent entity. One tour guide claims that during an investigation, the walls of the Tomb of the Covenantors began to bleed, causing one visitor to exit the tomb to wipe off the blood that had dripped onto her face. With the vast number of attacks, ghost sightings, along with EVP recordings and other evidence, the Poltergeist of Greyfriars Kirkyard is one of the most well-documented and vicious poltergeists in the world. Is this the ghost of Bloody George Mackenzie? Or are his victims haunting the grounds that they were once tortured and killed on? I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Edinburgh, Scotland. This is episode number six of Hometown Ghost Stories. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob King Coakley and Dave Wilkins. And that was Edinburgh, Scotland. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. That was awesome. Scotland's language isn't English. It's just a bunch of like mumbling. It's just like Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Yeah, and it's like like English with a speech impediment. Yeah. (laughs) In that quote where the kids went up to the uh, mausoleum and like they, they had their little phrase that they said, I attempted a couple times to do it in a Scottish accent and it just came out so corny. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to read it as it is because <laughs> I can't, I can't do accents very well. So, uh, uh, Spaguchi, thank you so much for the sub. That is the uh, four month sub. I was reading your comments the whole time. Um, he says it's Scottish, but it's not, it's English. Yes. So English and the, what drove me crazy is like, it says Kirkyard. And if you Google everything, everything is Kirkyard, Kirkyard, Kirkyard. But right on the fence, like the gate to the entrance, it just says churchyard, which I would have felt a little less foolish if I just Kirk. said, yeah. maybe. I'm not too sure how that a whole uh, Scottish thing oh, works. Scott, so he's, yeah. They speak English, right? I mean, They I, speak I English. They used to speak Scottish until England took over and forced them to speak English. Now they speak English. Scottish was its own language. Yes. So the story started off, I was like, all right, super cool story. I actually read it in a book about the um, the poltergeist of uh, Greyfriars Churchyard. I'm going to call it Churchyard going forward. Anyways, and I was like, oh, my God, that's a crazy story. Like, I'm going to look more into this because it was a really brief part of the book, and I was surprised they didn't dive more into it. So then I did my research on Mackenzie, and, like, the the book didn't even go into the history of this guy. And he's notoriously known around Scotland as, like, one of their most evil 
historical figures. And I was like, Oh my God, like this, this story is nuts. Like they kept 1200 people outside, basically froze them to death, starved them to death right in that area, right behind the church. And it's like, did you hear about the one prisoner who who successfully escaped? No, this is great. Um, (laughs) If you don't mind me jumping in here, while we're on the topic. Uh, So there was one prisoner who successfully escaped. He came up with what he thought was a genius plan, rather disgusting plan, but genius. Um, Every, day they would wheel out the they call it the dung barrel and they just take all the buckets of just the human waste and they would dump it into the dung barrel mm-hmm. and wheel it and they dump it down the hill so he's figured i can just hide in the dung barrel and they'll wheel it i'll tough it out for the however long and they'll dump me out and i'll just wait a little bit in there and i'll sneak out when no one's looking so uh he successfully got into the dung barrel and they wheeled him and uh, he must have figured out that something was wrong because uh, what he didn't realize was that they're not just dumping it down a hill. They're dumping it off a cliff. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they immediately like, set it on fire or something. No, no. That would probably be worse. I think I'd rather get dumped off a cliff. Oh, man, Absolutely. that's brutal. But that's what you do out there. So like, like in, in this is part, it goes back to the vaults. So the vaults, I had mentioned that the, the bridge isn't waterproof, right? So whenever it would rain, water would seep in. What I didn't mention, because I couldn't figure out a nice way to put it, was that, you know, I also mentioned that they they kept building up in the city because it's surrounded by water. You can't expand that city. So they would build up. And back in the day, the way that you would get rid of your your shit was you would open your window and just toss it outside. And there's a phrase that you say, I don't remember what it was, but there was a certain phrase like basically watch out below, shit's coming and you'd throw the, the shit out the window. So all, so it wasn't just water that was seeping into these tunnels. It was also just human waste. So it was in, in the whole city's built at a slope and there's that little tunnel system like along the sidewalk where, you know, it would all basically run down into the ocean or whatever, but it would go over the bridge and just seep into the bridge. So these businesses set up these, these shops, you know, inside these vaults and it's just constantly raining shit and piss on them as well as flooding whenever it would rain. It's like, you can understand why it didn't work out in there. So, um, yeah, there was that. So, uh, but to get, I, I guess we can go back. Well, so let's start with the vaults and then we'll go into the the churchyard. So um, I found it really interesting. I mean, it's crazy that it wasn't like they were necessarily underground tunnels because they kind of were because the city basically built up from the sides of the bridge. Like the bridge doesn't look like your traditional bridge that crosses over like a body of water. Like it just looks like a street, but it's a bridge. Um, can, I, the, can I just say... Real quick, how do you build a bridge in the water and forget to waterproof? It's not it? in the water. It's oh, not it's in not? the water. Yeah, it no, basically it goes over like, the like, valley. Yeah, oh, okay. so the rich, the, the people that could afford it. Yeah, I mean, we had mentioned the video. Like, them. they got fed up with basically just so many people moving into the city and mm-hmm. all the shit getting thrown out of windows. And they're like, all right, we're, we're fucking off. They they went to what they call a new town, but they still had to get back to old town. So they had the the bridge built, which was super rushed because they wanted the bridge built right away. So they didn't waterproof it and it was rushed along. So they could go back and forth to their like pubs and stuff like that. And uh, their business. Like the oldest documented case of urban flight. Yeah. And how about the, <laughs> dude, this insight, like, so anyways, I, I, I had originally just written the story on the, on the poltergeist. And then I found out about the vaults. Cause I was like, all right, let me go through some of these ghost shows and see if any of these guys had done the cemetery. And I, there surprisingly wasn't, much outside of like a bunch of like you know just people on youtube that went there themselves and did their own little thing but um ghost adventures went there but they went straight to the vaults i'm like what the fuck are the vaults and and they started going through this whole thing i was like oh my god like there's a whole other part of this city and then there's a castle too that i didn't even get into and we'll talk about that but um yeah the, the the fact that those vaults could remain like basically a mystery for over 100 years and then this guy was basically remodeling his apartment and he knocked down a wall and then boom, there's a tunnel and it was basically filled in, but he called over his son. He's like, let's clear this thing out. So his son came over and by hand, these two over the next few years, like cleared out the tunnels or the vaults and, um, and they discovered all this old stuff. So it was clear when they, when they started digging through it, that, uh, that people had lived there because they found like dinner plates and silverware. And a but imagine of how disturbed they must've been when they learned that the reason it was filled in in the first place 
is because they were literally full of shit and you just spent three years digging it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By hand. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> they also found out, we had mentioned there was a whole bunch of oyster shells, which is basically like, that's what, there was oysters everywhere. So that's what people ate back in the day. So, um, very, very interesting. And yeah, so, so they, they dug it out and then basically they started doing tours down there and like these stories, like <sighs> you have like the cobbler's room and Mr. Boots and all that kind of stuff, which is by the way, the least, the least scary name of a ghost that's supposed to be really evil that I've ever heard. Just Mr. <laughs> Boots. Boots. Oh, it's like, was he named after his cat? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's literally like the name of, you know, people name their cat, Mr. Boots. <laughs> but the, uh, it was, um, it was interesting. Like, I, I don't know how much of this is really tied to history. Like those two serial killers were real and they apparently had transported bodies, but there is. A yeah. I was just looking up the, this. the Birkin hair murders and it's like, they're, they think there were 16 of them. Like it's, it's a crazy story. I had heard the Birkin hair murders story before from some true crime stuff that I listened to, but mm -hmm. yeah, like they, they were just like, it, it's just, they were killing people just to sell the dead bodies and like well, not that medical them. research place was paying ridiculous money for the bodies yeah because, because they couldn't get it they had no they had nothing to there's yeah. no like everyone was super religious at that time and it was so like nobody's offering their bodies up for science like they, they had nothing to test on so they were paying stupid money for that kind of stuff um all over the place not even just in edinburgh but the that skeleton i don't know if you saw the picture of the it was kind of quick, but when I was talking about Burke and Hare, I showed a picture of a skeleton in a box. Yeah. That was one of them. Yeah. yeah they, they saved, <laughs> saved a skeleton and just have it on display. looks like it's in like a shop window. Like you'd walk by and be like, oh yeah, there's that skeleton of a serial killer just right there on display. Did, did you hear how they convicted him? No. They gave the other one full immunity apparently. And just to turn evidence in. Just to get can't one be doing of them. that. <laughs> That's risky. <laughs> Did he keep killing after that? No, I mean, well, I'm not. I, I was quickly trying to see what happened to the one that got the immunity after, um, after the other guy's trial, and I, I didn't see anything yet. I'm, I mean, obviously, were, it's going to be documented, but were they murderers or were they just stealing dead bodies? No, they were murderers. They were, I know they, Mr. Boots yeah, was because, a serial killer who was killing. No, they they legitimately um, killed people. Uh, he was only found guilty of one murder at the when when he got sentenced to death, but that's all they needed on him. That's all you needed. And then they're not gonna be like today where they're like, okay, well, we killed him already, but let's go try him even though he's dead and make sure that we convict him of all these other murders. Like, right. Yeah. So with, with the body well, snatchers, like, oh, what yeah. they, sorry, what, what the body snatchers would do is they would wait around until you know they see that there's a a funeral going on, and they would wait for night grab the body at night, store it in the, probably in the vaults. I mean, m many of them probably had their own system, but store it in the vaults. And then there was a direct tunnel from the vault straight to the medical center. And they would just transport it at night over there and sell it. The other or, thing is, is like night in Scotland during a certain time of year lasts like 21 hours or something ridiculous like that because of how far north it is. So like they would just wait for these like periods of darkness, darkness, like almost perpetual darkness and they'd have you know plenty of time to dig up as many bodies as possible that's crazy but yeah like like you were saying like the the medical center were so desperate for bodies and they were paying huge amounts of money they didn't they weren't asking questions so it's like okay is it a, a slow week at the cemetery are there, are there no funerals okay then just murder someone and yeah, take them right there and they like, um suffocated most of their victims yeah so it sounds like they were trying to preserve the body as well as they yeah. could because you start stabbing them shooting them chopping them up whatever then you know you're probably getting less less money for your body so i guess that makes sense pretty wild but just so in the in these vaults there was obviously no electricity no running water it was super like terrible living conditions like the the people that did live there so they're, they're basically living by candlelight like you can only imagine how easy picking some of these people were because it wasn't just criminals and prostitutes that were down there but it was also just really poor people you know people that had nowhere to stay so they would go just grab a vault and, and live in it and there was mr boots um, was supposed to be like a landlord down there so basically you'd, you'd go pay whatever to mr boots <sighs> which just, i don't even know if there's really anything documented of mr boots being a real person i don't know if they, they, like some of this stuff is mixed in like folklore and you know you don't know if this is just what psychics are coming up with or if these are real people um they had said a girl died there i don't know if there's actually like 
a death record on it. I, I would assume not since the if there was, they would have known was about not, the bubbles. Uh, was not super tight back then. Exactly. So you got to wonder. And then the other thing that was a little bit mixed about the vault stories was this ghost of a child. So a lot of them say it's a boy. The one that I found was that this girl named Annie could have been the one in the vaults. But then I also read that she haunts like a different location. Um, it's like a tavern or something like that. I don't really remember what it was, but so, you know, a lot of these things are mixed and you have to wonder how much of it is just going off of what like some psychic said, you know, but that's what the tour guides say. So a, a lot of this video was pieced off of different videos that I watched on what the tour guides are saying, uh, what the different websites are saying, which a lot of them conflict with each other on, you know, the facts of certain cases and, you know, how big the, the army uh, was of the uh, Presbyterians, the, um, what was the name of them? The Covenanters. So uh, it was anywhere between like 6,000 and 18,000, but it was a fact that it was 1,200 that were taken prisoner in the, in the Kirkyard. So, um, so just, uh, I just got to read this little part from the Birkenhair story to you guys. It just says, uh, Birkenhair murdered two lodgers in June, an old woman and a dumb boy, her grandson. As Burke later recalled in his confession, <laughs> dumb was like, "What is dumb? You 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 can't." Um, it was at always, the time. Was it, like it always didn't mean idiot. It meant like you can't. Like you like can't it's not kind of lame. Was can't walk. Dumb was like you. Can't. It was like you can't read or can't write or something. Yeah. So it, it so just dumb. says yeah. while the boy sat by the fire in the kitchen, his grandmother was murdered in the bedroom by the usual method. Burke and he then picked up the boy and carried him to the same room where he was also killed. So. He, um, so they were just killing anyone they could. Not, it, it was non-discriminate and they were killing kids too. So they were very people. terrible people. Dumb kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just the dumb ones. Yeah. So yeah, they, um, also killed somebody named Daff Jamie. So it's a pretty interesting story. Was that, rap, start, was that his rap name or? Yeah, probably. <clears throat> I was going to say when we were describing those tunnels, it just sounded like some places that we've DJed with Jesse. <laughs> just no, no electricity. We're yeah. running a shit uh, running a over the neck. Yeah, <laughs> dripping down the walls. <laughs> this is this is where we're gonna come back to haunt. Is just like birds landing in Plymouth. Just gonna be mm. us and a bunch of spiders. <laughs> oh my god, the spider infestation place was gross. So one of the other locations that we didn't touch on in this because there was just so much to go with. Uh, well, there was also like the the ghost of a dog, which there's actually like a statue of this old dog that people go up and like rub its nose for good luck. That just didn't seem like a very spooky story to include. So I figured we'd just briefly mention it. But you know, they hear him barking and stuff. I don't know. That's just that doesn't seem like that crazy of a story for me. Anyway, uh, one of the reasons that the rich people decided to move out was, you know, cause you mentioned how the house, how the houses were all stacked back then. The poor people lived on the top floor Correct. and the rich people lived on the bottom floor because obviously there was no elevators. Um, so the less okay. you have, the more stairs you walk up. And uh, so the, the rich people, they have the bottom floor because it's nice and, you know, close to the ground. They don't have to walk up a whole bunch of stairs, but everyone throws their shit out yeah. the window and you're at the bottom floor, have, so you're just getting 12, splattered 12 with shit from 12 stories. Shit. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> well, hopefully those poor people hung onto that property, and then you now they got like a penthouse, right? I mean, if yeah. you're climbing those those 12 stories outside, I understand why, you're yeah. mad. Like, you're, I'm throwing my shit, you know, of velocity. <laughs> I'm not even warning <laughs> people below. I'm just throwing it. <laughs> I'm like waiting, waiting for you to walk by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so one of one of the other locations, and this is a big one, is is actually the the castle. So there's the Edinburgh Castle. Yes. Do um, you want me to tell the story of the Piper? The Piper story is so good. I yes, so I'll, good. I'll let you. I'll let you have your moment of glory. This is my favorite story. Several hundred years ago, a network of tunnels was discovered at the castle along the Royal Mile towards Holyrood Palace. In order to determine where they led, a Piper was sent to explore them. As he walked through the tunnels, the piper played bagpipes to alert others on the surface with respect to his location. However, the bagpipes stopped approximately halfway to the palace. Soon afterward, a rescue party entered the tunnels to locate the piper, but discovered he'd vanished without a trace. Thereafter, the tunnel was resealed. On quiet days, when the noise from traffic diminishes, the faint sound of bagpipes may be heard below the royal mile between the castle and the palace. So you know what's funny about that, besides the whole story, is uh, I read that they didn't even go after him and look. Like they just, heard, right. yeah, they yeah. just heard the bagpipe just fade 
and he was going in the wrong direction because they were trying to see if like the tunnel went to like England or something like that. Uh And England, let's just say it was to the east. They just hear him going west to like, huh? And they just kept letting him go, and they never came back. (laughs) Just like, oh. All right, find a new bagpiper. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? It was a kid too, wasn't it? Yeah, like wouldn't you just go down and make, hey, hey, it's going the wrong way. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> bananas. Oh yeah. So it's said to be haunted by uh, him. Like you can still hear the bagpiping play every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, ghost of all time. <laughs> it's the bagpipe noise, yeah. Uh, and then former prisoners are said to hunt the dungeon, the dungeons, and there's also a headless drummer. Yeah, first so seen shortly before Oliver Cromwell attack uh before Oliver Cromwell attacked the castle in 1650 has also been spotted although many people have heard the sound of his drums coming from the battlements uh his physical appearance is rare and is said to foretell danger to the castle I'm sure um, there are other, I heard other stories as well there was a bunch of murders and then some uh queen who killed someone and got away with it and then she went back to like england i'm getting the story completely wrong for the historians out there went back to like england to go live with her sister who was also a queen and then she immediately suspected that she was up to no good and basically like nah and they beheaded her or something or she sent him back to scotland where they beheaded her i don't really remember but there was that story there's also a construction crew in 2003 that while they were performing restoration, they claimed they were harassed by ghosts of prisoners from the Napoleonic Wars. Various photos of these men working in the Queen Anne building captured what resembled hazy blue orbs floating above their heads. And in some cases, they refused to work alone. So they were just getting heckled while they're trying to work. How the, how the turntables. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the castle. I mean, like, I think leaving it out of the main story was the right call by you because these are great little stories. We could come back to it, but there's no, like, there's not a main story is the problem. Like where you can really like dig into the history of, you can dig into the history of the castle itself, but you can't, there's nothing that's like, you know, a good story of why, um, something. Yeah. Like for a long term (laughs) You know, it's like quick 30-second hitters. That's why we saved it for this part. There's so many cool-looking castles that are all on the haunted list in Scotland. Not all, all in Edinburgh. Thousands of years old. Yeah. Uh, One thousand. We're, all, we're always like, we got all the stuff in New England. Like, that's why we keep staying in Massachusetts. And then we just look at across the pond to like, England. Yeah. It's got like, oh, yeah, they got like thousands and thousands Insane. of years old stuff. We're like, yeah, we got stuff like from like, you know, 1700. What's yeah. up? Take that, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, the story just kept going and going. That's why the episode doubled over time. But the Poltergeist story was what pulled me in. And um, just like the, the documented attacks, I mean, like I went through a quick excuse me, slideshow of some of the pictures for those audio listeners that aren't watching, but you can check it out on YouTube. But we, we posted all these different pictures of the injuries and those were all from the same poltergeist allegedly. And, um, and the, the, the story is just every, every podcast and every YouTube video that I watched, someone had a different story about, you know, getting hit, getting pushed, getting scratched. Uh, a lot of them didn't realize the injuries until they got back, which I mean, my first thought, whenever I see these injury pictures, is I'm always like, okay, that's probably self-inflicted. Like all you had to do was scratch yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of those, it seemed real, but like, I mean, it seemed like, you know, okay. You didn't realize until you go back to your hotel room that you were scratched. Like, so you went back to your hotel room and scratched yourself and posted a picture on Instagram to get some likes. That's my first initial thought. But then some of them, like the burns, the bruises, and especially the broken finger, that's where I'm like, dude, who breaks their own finger? And, <laughs> Just to say they got hurt by a ghost. I mean, that's that's crazy. Somebody who wants the best story. And it is. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, but there's also all like the people passing out, right? And there was a bunch of dead animals yeah. in the area. So I think it was, and these numbers were from like a few years back. I think it was like 2015 or 2014. It was, they were up to like 120 or 140 people that got knocked out or passed out. Passed out doesn't blow me away i mean if you're you're somebody who just believes in ghosts like believes yeah they're terrified fully bought in and you're in a place like the edinburgh the edinburgh vaults 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, this one's at the cemetery, but at the same, the same thing. It's like, like if you're in an element and you believe the stuff and you're terrified, then of course you might faint. Like that, that's something that people do. So it's possible. It's possible. But um, it, it was just so widely documented. I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then when I started looking into the history of that exact location, I was like, that is bananas. How many people have died there? And then the fact that, you know, like in a lot okay so here's the other thing is i listened to a lot of these podcasts on it and a lot of the podcasts clearly didn't do their research on this they're like well none of these attacks started happening until the 1990s so you know like so it must be fake they're like okay so that's when the tour started okay so they're like well what happened in the 1990s i'm like okay look at the news like in the 1990s that's when the homeless guy tried to climb in his damn coffin and crash through the floor and landed in a pit of bodies that nobody knew about and it's like you don't, if you believe in this sort of thing, that would yeah. be the type of thing that would wake something up. Like you, you pissed off the poltergeist or you pissed off the ghost. Yeah. And, disturbed um, the grave. <clears throat> to say the least. A and mass then, grave. Yeah. And then a few years later, you got the kids that came into the cemetery and cut off the fucking head of the corpse yeah. and played with it <laughs> like a glove puppet. <laughs> it's you- insane. Can you that, believe that they brought that guy back and buried him near all the people that he victimized? That's insane to Isn't me, that too. crazy? Yeah. Like, like so that I mean, is an absolute, had, they're sending a message because you got to, you know, you got to assume that they were so religious and they believe like, oh, we're going to bury with all of his victims. This is me speculating um, that there's, you know, that's one last, you know, way to stick it to him. Yeah, it's it's that or, I mean, like, he had a ton of money, you know, he was a judge. He was the, you know, he basically was, I can't remember the term for it, but he worked for King Charles II. Like he was his, uh, his right-hand man basically did his bidding. Like obviously this guy had a ton of money and he probably year, maybe even before that whole incident happened, he had probably reserved that plot of land. It was like, when I die, this is where I'm going. So he died and they just, they went and built the mausoleum for him right there. And, um, why they chose to paint it black? <laughs> I don't know. Did the the, the you picture think they the buried him there without without knowing his victims were buried there? They absolutely do. I mean, they had the Covenanters' tomb right there. So I think it's probably more so upon what you said. But at the same time, if he paid the money to reserve that spot at that time, they're probably like, yeah, he paid for it. Like he probably paid spot. for it to yeah. reserve it so he could bury all of his people. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a it was a plague pit below. Uh, these were bodies that they didn't know about until they were discovered. I mean, at that time, when a plague happened, they would dig a mass grave and just dump a bunch of people there. So yeah. I know that there's the Covenanter's tomb, which is a couple feet away. Apparently, we haven't been there, but the Covenanter's tomb is, is right there as well. Um, so whether or not they buried him on top, the, whether or not that pit of bodies that happened to be below the mausoleum were his victims or were they just other victims from another plague that they dumped there? It's an unmarked grave. Nobody really knew who they were. So that could be here or there. Were they part of the 1200? I don't, I don't know. But nevertheless, his tomb was desecrated. His body was messed with time and time again. And then you had the other story of the, the guy that was on the run from the police who went and just locked himself in that mausoleum for six months. And he would only come out at night to go like scrap for food or whatever. <laughs> and by the time the police caught up with him, he had gone insane whether he was crazy beforehand or whether he went crazy from living in a fucking mausoleum for six months you know maybe a happy combination of the two yeah but at that point he had said that you know caskets were shifting around they they were moving on their own something was scraping from inside his coffin it's just there's been and this was back in the 1800s so you have that happen you have the homeless guy crash to the floor in the 90s you have the kid desecrating the body a few years later how is, how is that your go-to by the way like i understand like you're homeless and like i just don't even know if i'd ever be like let me try to get in this coffin to That's, stay warm. Yeah, I, I, under, I understand if you're trying to get out of the rain and you see shelter huh. you kick in the door and go in i don't understand why he would open a coffin and go snuggle up with a corpse maybe he was hoping it was empty maybe he thought it would be dust inside i don't know but when you enter that mausoleum, the first floor, there's nothing. It's just cement. And then there's a gate. You, what he did was he went and he, he removed the grate, not a gate, a grate. He removed like the, the bars. And there was a, there was a couple of pictures that I showed of it um, in the video. 
and then you go down a flight of stairs and then that's where all the coffins are. So you could still go into the mausoleum with access through like the ghost tour or whatever, and they'll take you into that top floor, but you don't go underneath with the caskets or anything like that. So he had gone in there for whatever possessed him to open up that floor grate and go down a floor. Then he found the coffins and uh, decided that's where he wanted to sleep. Maybe it beats sleeping on the cold concrete floor. I don't know, man. Maybe. I don't know. I'll, 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 I think I take the concrete floor over I'll, the corpse. Yeah, I'll never know. <laughs> Maybe he was going to open it up and dump out the body. Either way, so the so the floor when you go into the mausoleum is you know rock or cement or whatever. It's you you can't fall through that floor. You lift up the grate, you go downstairs. Before it was a, a old wooden floor, which wasn't built for home, homeless men to enter, and they weren't expecting anybody to walk around. But it had been. You know, um, they definitely weren't expecting somebody to climb into the coffin. It had been a long time. So the, the wooden floor was old and rotten. And as soon as the, you know, the weight of him crashed right through, fell onto the floor. There, there are reports that at that point there was like a black mass that like swooped down and landed on top of him or something like that. But they never interviewed this homeless guy. I was going to say that ha- that could only possibly be according to him. Right. And that the, is that this is the last anyone's heard of him is he got out and he ran. I mean, I guess when he ran out, he's, he's, you know, he runs out covered in dust and old flesh and probably a skull on his head or something, you know, like, like, and he just runs out screaming. And then there's a a poor guy walking his dog who sees this zombie running at him. And then he starts screaming and they both just run in different directions. And then other people that saw that, They reported that it was like a scene out of Scooby-Doo where these guys are just... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like an Adam Sandler Netflix yeah, movie. <laughs> screaming and running around. So, um, yeah. So that's the story. That's um, That was a good one. That's what I got out of Edinburgh. And I'm sure there are so many more stories. And I'm sure we got a lot of things wrong. Feel free to drop in the comments nicely. This is now on my bucket list of places to visit because it just seems so cool. And like the cemetery is so creepy it's not just an old cemetery we got plenty of those i got one across the street from me right now these like graves are carved like to be creepy like like there's like you know angels with like skulls for faces and you know like like uh serpents and like like all these and this is kind of how it was back in the day but this is like next level like gothic it's so cool looking like all the pictures and videos that I saw of it looks amazing. And I definitely want to visit and check it out. Definitely. Uh, uh, even more cool than like that stuff I saw at Plymouth. And I was just in a really old graveyard a few days ago as well. And saw, um, and you just see those, those markers with like the skulls with wings and all these other crazy stuff. And so like just the ones in Scotland are way cooler, but I mean, it's, I I love that stuff. That stuff's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just when every grave over there has that, then you also have like, you know, the plaques for the governor, the covenant tours. And then you have like this whole creepy statue of dude. Yeah. Like the whole cemetery is so cool looking, definitely on my bucket list to visit. I'm sure, like I said, there's probably so many other stories from Edinburgh that we didn't touch on. Maybe if we ever visit, we'll do a part two. But it'd be uh, cool to just find like an actual like small town in Scotland to do as well, um, other than just Edinburgh, Edinburgh, and in and Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Yeah. So that was the other thing was I I recorded the whole episode. I'm like, all right, it's ready to go. And the whole time I called it Edinburgh, and then um, I did more research, and everyone's like, dumb Americans will call it Edinburgh. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got to redo the whole damn thing. So anyways, uh, that's that. So we have some uh, some episodes coming up. Let's uh, touch on that briefly. First of all, uh, if you guys want to, make sure you join the Discord. If you join the Discord, you can check out um, some announcements and things that, that we're working on. Connect with us. You can chat with us. Uh, join the voice chat. You can game with us. What do we like to do? But that's our Discord there. It is free to join. It is open to anybody and everybody. So uh, click on that link. But this Friday... Me and Dave, we're going to Texas. I'm excited about Yo. it. So we're heading to San Antonio, and naturally we looked up the most haunted hotels in the area, and we're going to go stay at the, I forget the name of it. The Emily Morgan. Emily Morgan. The Emily Morgan Hotel, which is right next to the Alamo. It is the official hotel of the Alamo, and it also used to be a hospital. And at the time of the Alamo, they say that more people actually died at the hospital than in the Alamo, which would make sense. When people are injured, you bring them over there, but it's complete with 
you to redo your staff, like your hospital staff. Maybe hire people, some doctors. People die in <laughs> hospitals. They just they just brought them over to the doctor, and the doctor would be like, "Well, that doesn't look good." Well, there's that, and then they also brought <laughs> the dead bodies over because they also had a um, crematorium there. So you can't count that. I'm just counting them twice. Yeah, yeah, you're double counting. <laughs> These are the facts that we're going to figure out when we go down there. So uh, it's supposed to be super haunted. I'm excited to go check it out. So we'll do an episode on that San Antonio. We also have the Conjuring episode coming up. Um, I know a lot Eventually. of people are waiting for it. They've been asking about it. We're still sifting through stuff. Dave is writing that episode. So we'll have the history of the uh, location in the town and different things that happened and debunking a lot of the things that the movie got wrong, which is everything. So um, we'll Good get movie, that. Though. And then we'll also... Uh, one, one of the best one of the best uh we'll also air some of the footage that we got in there like i said we're still piecing through the evidence there and then rob what's your episode coming up so mine's in princeton massachusetts because we just can't get out of massachusetts but uh opportunity presented itself i was able to go check out some really cool sites in princeton um it's the local legend of lucy keys so it's a girl that went missing in the woods in the 1700s. And we'll be hitting on that story in the near future. There was a movie made of it in like 2005. If you want to go find that movie, I'm actually going to be talking to the director of that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get him to, you know, come on record with us or anything like that. But I am going to have a discussion with him on the phone tomorrow. So that's pretty cool. That's good. Yeah. You should have some insight into the story that maybe you didn't know about. So that would be cool. And he's obviously welcome to join us on the show as well. So this has been episode number six of Hometown Ghost Stories. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch you guys next time. We'll be back next Tuesday with another live episode. Maybe we'll go live with a little investigation in San Antonio this weekend. No yeah. promises, but perhaps. I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be great. They always are. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.